Welcome everybody to the Men for Life show. My name is Andrew Jacoby and I have a couple of a wonderful guests in the studio today. As, as usual, my good friend and partner in uh, this podcast, Pete DeMaio. And we have back for part two, Grace Longo by popular demand. And we have a new uh, young gentleman today, Antoine Robinson. So welcome everybody. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to find out a little bit about um, Anton's ba uh, Antoine's background. Uh, he's a uh, we're going to hear more about uh, where he comes from and uh, have a conversation about what it's like to be a young person in the pro life movement. And um, that's really it. So, so Pete, why don't you start us off in prayer and then uh, we'll go from there? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is uh, day one of a nine-day novena leading up to Pentecost. Almighty and eternal God, who has vouchsafed to regenerate us by water and the Holy Spirit and has given us forgiveness for our sins, vouchsafe to send forth from heaven upon us your sevenfold spirit, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and fortitude, the spirit of knowledge and piety, and to fill us with the spirit of holy fear. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Andrew, if you don't mind, can you mention um, what you picked up about this last night from Father Sure, Gil? yeah, sure. What, what happened was um, Father Gill was saying that I didn't know what a novena was, and he was answering the question, and he said that the novena is comes from the word nine, and what it means is the, the yesterday was the ascension of our Lord, and uh, in nine days from the ascension is the uh, Pentecost, which is when the Holy Spirit comes down. And so that's what a novena is. It's nine days of prayer between those two dates. So, Can I share something um, sure. pretty awesome with Please. you guys? Yeah. Yes. So obviously from our past episodes, you know, I'm born and raised Catholic. I'm a cradle Catholic, but I'd fallen away. And then when I came back and had my reversion, I, um, you know, I really came back. Well, I'd never really prayed a novena before. My first novena ever, and I just shared this the other uh, night, I was at a Susan B. Anthony list. Uh, meeting and they they had me down there you know on behalf of Pennsylvanians for Human Life and to speak into some current affairs and issues so I was on the panel with um, awesome friend Marlene Downing Marlene's amazing she was Hope Crisis Pregnancy Director and mm -hmm. now uh, the head of Pennsylvania um, Susan B Anthony list but I was sharing the story there about my first novena when Trisha first got pregnant with Petey um, she went down for the test and of course we're excited we're married and we have our first baby on the way and when she went down for her initial ultrasound um, the her OBGYN said you have a fibroid tumor and the fibroid tumor right now is measuring larger than the baby well here I am and I'm like went from super excited to mm -hmm. super upset and I had just come off of Malvern retreat and I have my little prayer book from the Malvern, you know, retreat that we're on. So I opened it up and I said a novena to none other than St. Joseph, mm. father, husband and worker. And I say that novena first time it was my very first novena. And then when she went back for her next ultrasound, uh, her doctor, Dr. Mellon said, I don't know what happened, but the fibroid tumor is gone. And oh, my God. And God. everything looks great. Wow. And, um, that was my that's that's literally my first encounter with a, a novena. And I know it. I know we don't always get everything we ask for. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> no. Never hurts to ask. Never hurts to ask for the intercession. So mm. thanks for. I know this episode is about Antoine and it's about Grace, but thanks for uh, for giving me uh, no, my note. No <laughs> it's you. about everybody. The episode is about all of us. Yeah. Yes. So on that note. Yeah. We want to focus on what it's like to be a young man in today's 
crazy world that we're in. And obviously we need a lot of St. Joseph, you know, for Amen. us as men right now. So Amen. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been trying to catch up with Antoine for the last several weeks and um, it's just busy schedules. Um, yeah. So we didn't get get a chance to connect. So I was really looking forward to today. So, yeah, me oh. too, Antoine. Thank you so much for joining us, and also you as well, Grace. Of course, so you're like you're like part of the pro- part of the program. So <laughs> anyway, um, but Antoine, yeah, we really appreciate it because again, um, the point of the podcast is to try to reach people like yourself, and so uh, we think that your story today and what you have to share is going to really help. Um, maybe somebody listening. So we're looking forward to learning about you, my man. I hope so. Thank you guys for inviting me so much. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Very grateful. So Antoine, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like where, you know, where'd you grow up? Um, where do you go to school? How old are you? So tell, tell, cause no one can see you. So no, <laughs> you don't. well, first off, let me tell you guys I'm beautiful. <laughs> Both inside and out. <laughs> um, so I'm Antoine Robinson. Uh, I, was born and raised in West Philadelphia. Um, I'm 15, about to be 16. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be on the roads after I turn 15, uh, 16. Now. That's warning. You have a car in mind? What do you think? Uh, honestly, anything with four wheels works. I do not <laughs> care. I just want to drive. You're like, look, man. <laughs> I'm tired of the back. If it goes, yeah. it's good. <laughs> so I go to St. Joseph's Prep. Uh, it's on Gerard, North Philadelphia. Um, by the way, oh, yeah. such a nice school. My oh. first time walking through St. Joe's Prep was the day that I came down mm-hmm. to speak with you guys in December. And I was like, wow, it's no wonder why everybody loves it here. And the Jesu, the... Oh, yeah. Beautiful. What's I, the yeah. Jesu? What is it? It's the church that's connected to the prep. Um, oh, wow. That we go to for mass and everything. Which and my then, understanding, Antoine, is that that actually was the first mm-hmm. cathedral in Philadelphia, and they built the Saint Peter and Basilica on the Saint. I'm sorry, excuse me, Saint Peter and Paul Basilica later. But that really? was actually the. That's what I understood from someone. Uh, it's, it, it's really nice. It's a nice cathedral. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, um, St. Joe's Prep. Um, where did you go to uh, to grade school? You- uh, I went to Walter Mercy Academy for grade school, first through eighth grade. Um, I went to a small little preschool, if that even matters. Uh, I honestly don't even remember what it's called or if it's still there. But um, <laughs> Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Like, how'd you wind up? So you're a West Philadelphia yep. born and raised kid, and you wind up over at Waldron, which is over off of Montgomery Avenue, yeah. and it's connected to Marion Mercy uh, to the high school. So how did that come about, like with your parents and wanting to send you there and all that? Well, here's the simple answer. My mom walked in the building. I'm pretty sure this is a true story. She walks in. She loves it. She comes home, tells my dad I'm going there. And that's how my school and career is gone. <laughs> it's based on what my mom likes. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love the schools. But uh, whatever my mom wants, that's where I go. So yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's how I ended up there. Well, Mrs. Robinson, um, <laughs> we love you already. Yeah, great job great. as a mom. Shout out to Mrs. Robinson <laughs> and Mr. Robinson for being a good uh, dad and just listening to his wife. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Antoine, you? That's what we do as dads, by the way. They tell us and we say, all right. Yep. We do we do good thing you do, because yeah. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> It's perfect. Were you uh, raised Catholic, or did um, you convert? Or we don't really follow. We haven't really followed a religion. Really, we just kind of go. My grandparents are pretty religious. They Baptist, I believe. Mm. So, and I just I guess that didn't go down to my father, so mm. or my mother. So we don't really we don't really go by any religion. We just kind of go. Um, you know, we go to Catholics. I go to Catholic school, but that's just you know, they're usually the good schools. So, 
uh, in mass and everything, I'll participate. I, I won't go get um, Eucharist and everything, but like I might go get a blessing or something. So, yeah. That's you know what's interesting um, is, and I had just mentioned this before we, we kicked off for the podcast, is from the very first day I met Antoine, um, I went down to St. Joe's Prep. There was probably maybe t- 25 young men that were there in the Respect Life meeting, you know. And But I could tell, and, and I've seen Antoine several times, you know, since then. But I could see something in his eyes that day. So you, you have Christ within you, um, as we all do probably. But And that's I didn't even realize that you weren't Catholic or practicing. I had, I, I'm just hearing that for the first time yeah, today. That's, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's super awesome. Interesting. So. Yeah. What was it then that attracted you to the pro-life message of respect? This respect for life club because it's a Catholic school. It's kind of a church teaching. So, what was it about the message that was attractive for you to say, "Hey, I want to spend some time"? And obviously, it might not be the most popular, let's say, stance in the world. You know, so what was it about it that was interesting for you? So, um, to me, it's just, um, it's, I mean, it's just killing a child. I mean, I, I. Here, so I live in Philadelphia. There's oh, so much violence here, and you know, gun, gun violence, uh, drug overdosing, things like that. And you know, that first off, like that's terrible. I hate it. Mm. And that I feel like that's where it starts at because why would we as a society let that trickle down to our children, our nonetheless our unborn children? Mm. So for me, that's that's definitely where it started. Um, and then when I get to the prep, you know, I finally have a place where I can act that out in the pro life club. And I mean, I feel like it's not just particularly, say, a Catholic issue. It could be an issue for anyone because it just comes down to you're killing a baby that's unborn, taking away its life. And that's just something <laughs> I don't understand how people just can't get behind. How can you not understand that killing a baby is not a religious issue? It's just a human issue. You can't just kill something that has has no decision in the matter. Like, it's crazy right wow that's so interesting because antron 15 years yeah 15 years old you're on fire man that's great we say that all i just you guys can't see us i fist pump (laughs) (laughs) so on point we don't even take god out of this issue and you just said it and you can't just kill an innocent human being right i know that's awesome to hear you say that go ahead sorry no i just had a no it was a that was it was really interesting point because a lot of people today when you make pro-life arguments, they'll say, oh, well, get your rosaries off of my ovaries. Sort of like it's only a, only a religious argument, and you're coming in here and saying, well, I'm coming at it just from a sort of common sense perspective, that I think human life is valuable, and you're killing a baby, and that can't be good whether you're Jewish or whether you're Catholic or you're, you're nothing or you're Buddhist or whatever. So I think that's awesome. I think that's really... Um, I think what's nice... In- Antoine is, and that's what I meant, I can see it in your eyes, is that you have a different set of lenses that you're seeing the world through. And the world tries to hand, hand us these glasses, <laughs> you know, yeah, to yeah. see through. Mm-hmm. And we're called to take those glasses off and see the world the way that God wants us to see the world. And you actually have that, um, which is really nice, because you're looking at the simple facts, like you said, which is we have so much killing going on in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. gun violence, drugs, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then magnify through the abortion issue, and you're you're seeing clearly that that these are human lives, and we're just simply not supposed to kill them. That's not our right yeah. to walk mm-hmm. up and kill Very another human case. being. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, 
And I don't understand what's blocking people from just seeing it's such a simple fact. Yeah. You can't just kill something that, you know, it's not yours, first of all. It's not your body. It's a baby that's not you. As a matter of fact, in biology class, I just learned that a baby and a mother are only connected through the placenta, which is the only reason that baby can survive is that in the placenta, the nutrients and whatnot have to switch. Because the blood type in the baby is not going to be the same as the blood type in the mother. Yep. So right there, you can tell they're not the same. So I just like, it's just simple scientific fact and just common sense that like <laughs> abortion is not right. There's so, another fist bump coming. Yeah, <laughs> so what do you, so Antoine, what do you think is the connection between the killing of the unborn and like an adult over ODing or being violent later on in life? So sort of, you know, were talking earlier about there might be some connection between a culture or a fil- let's say Philadelphia where we live. Mm-hmm. It's a very violent city. It's one of the most violent cities in the country, unfortunately. Do you think there's a connection there? And what do you think? How would you, I'd like to hear you maybe talk a little bit more about how you see that connection playing out mm-hmm. between killing of the unborn and killing in general. Yeah. So, I mean, at, at one point, um, there's not, there's people that you can't kill, you know? Like, they're too well defended. Uh, they have ways to get around you trying to kill them. And eventually, they focus their eyes on people who can't defend themselves, that being mm. unborn children. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, that came to fruition. And now we allow our unborn children to be killed just because, you know, there might be some people out there that we can't get to. Um, we don't like them. Uh, so let's just get rid of their children so more of them don't up here in our world so i feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of like the connection to it just like you know like uh eugenics oh uh, like that? eugenics yeah, like right. it's connected in that sort of way that's that's what i'm so you think it's about at. the elimination of certain types of people yeah which is you know was the start of planned parenthood and everything too and mm-hmm. then you know has just been magnified to nowadays where euthogenics isn't like such a big idea hopefully and it's now but it's still being played out yeah 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 way. the the original goal is still going on. Black people are still having abortions at crazy rates, which is just so saddening because um, I'm black. You guys can't see that. Shouldn't have mentioned <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I am African-American. And just it's such a shame that uh, the rest of my, my people uh, think it's okay to get abortion, and they don't know the history of why um, abortions are things to get rid of us. So. Is it a topic when you have friends that are off? You know, there might be conversations going on amongst black people that aren't coming around when there's other, you know, like maybe, hey, look, uh, this is something that is a problem in our community, or does that not even come up, or is it a topic that's not allowed to be discussed, or what is the when you're around people that you're saying, hey, do you ever, do you ever sort of have conversations based around the like, hey, guys, there's a bunch of abortions happening for people like us so is there anything like that or what's your what's your take on that so i feel it's just a topic that it's kind of like a taboo topic that Mm. you know we don't like to bring up just because you know i usually i'm the only person who in my friend groups who is uh pro-life so like they know hopefully they know i would be able to destroy them in any debate because abortion (laughs) is bad so you know but like it's just hearing the truth sometimes is just too hard and since it's just such a common thing, it's glorified. Hearing that is actually such a terrible, horrible thing would just it's just it would destroy everything. So it just usually doesn't come up in our conversations. Mm. So interesting. So cool though to hear 
you state that you you're aware you're actually conscious you know about this you know there's sort of meeting or a conference i went to here in the city you know years and years ago and it was like we know what there's like a um if you can picture a gigantic um pie you know and then one slice of the pie is we know what we know Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's another slice of the pie that is we know what we don't know but then three quarters of the pie or somewhere thereabouts is we don't even know what we don't know and that's what you're describing Antoine is a lot of these conversations aren't even happening or they're not happening because people don't even they don't even know but it but but if you were to engage in dialogue with them you'd probably either win them over or at least send them away like, oh, wow, that guy had a lot more information than I have, you know, about this simple biological facts. Like Mm -hmm. you said, it doesn't even have to be theology. Pete, you would probably know this, but isn't the numbers, or maybe Grace, you would know, the numbers, I think it's black people are 13, 12 or 13% of the population, 30 or 40% of abortions. It is. It's something something ridiculous. It is. So the numbers that I've seen are usually between, so it's 13% of the population and varying by state, but if we look countrywide, usually 36 to 39% of all abortions. And like you said, Antoine, we're giving Margaret Sanger what she wanted. Exactly what she wanted. Exactly. And we're laying down. Yeah. And we're supporting it, and we're funding it, and it's like, I'm going to, f- can you imagine right. me handing someone else money and saying, go buy a gun, I want you to shoot me in the head with it, and I'm going to pay you for it? Like, <laughs> It reminds me of how, um, I forget where I heard this from, but they renamed one of the Planned Parenthood buildings from Margaret's name to something else, admitting that she was racist and everything, yet continued to do abortions. Like, I, I just don't understand the world we live in where that's something that happens. Have you ever seen the videos? Like now we're in an an age with phones that you can just quick, you know, hop on YouTube and see some of our old like talk shows and things like that. Have you ever pulled them up and watched them? I have not yet. If you I'm telling everyone who's listening that if you watch them, it's actually horrifying. Like when we say eugenicist, she was full blown eugenicist. Like and it's it's just it's actually disturbing. (laughs) Like it's that that it's full blown population control. Full blown. And it's it's interesting to go just one step back from abortion to contraception. If you look at where sort of people that are pushing contraception around the world, like the Gates Foundation, and they're going to Africa and pr- they're promoting it. There's only certain people or certain groups of people that they're saying, hey, maybe you guys shouldn't have so many babies. Mm-hmm. You're having too many babies over there, mm-hmm. which is un- I mean, it's sort of it's so obvious and yet so sick and ridiculous. But the other question, the other thing that's interesting. Do you mind if I mention something on that? Um, Because uh, this just came up the other night. We had to speak into this a little bit, which I love speaking into this because I actually believe that's the root cause of all this. Every single Christian church spoke that contraceptives were a grave moral evil up until the 1930s. It was the Anglicans, right? And if I remember, yeah, thank you, Andrew. It was the Anglicans. uh, um, I learned this from Dr. Janet Smith. And the Anglican Church broke first and said it can be used. You have to govern your conscience. Well, that brings up a whole other topic. How good are we at governing our own conscience? (laughs) Usually the answer that I'm going to give myself is the one that I want. (laughs) So (laughs) should I have another slice of chocolate cake? Mm, Of course you should. I already had three. Go go for it. Go for it. So that brings up a whole topic. But then they really started pushing as Christian churches started to fall by the wayside on this issue. And then they pushed and they developed a male contraceptive pill 
And in the test group of the male contraceptive pill, there was slight shrinkage in the testicles of one male. So what did they do with the male contraceptive pill? Ace it. 86, the male contraceptive pill. (laughs) Then, to your point, Andrew, which is they then developed a female contraceptive pill, took it to one of the poorest communities in South America, and figured, oh, these aren't real human beings. They're just poor people. So we'll just test them as if they're the lab rats. Three women in the original test study died. Three died. And all they did was shrunk down the dosage, mass produced it, and then here we are 60 years later. But Pope Paul VI, in the wisdom from the Holy Spirit, hence today's novena, kicking it off, went to the Holy Spirit and issued the encyclical Humanae Vitae. And to this day, it's still one of the first encyclicals I've ever picked up in our Catholic Church because I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but I just didn't pick up encyclicals and read them. I think most of us can <laughs> agree to that. But I read that and I realized, oh, my gosh, this is, this is literally not coming from Pope Paul VI. It's directly from the Holy Spirit telling us, if you do this, this is what society is going to look like. And he gave four predictions, and here we are 60 years later, and we are living them all out. And it's a shame to the point now to this conversation, which is we will just kill anyone at any time yeah. if we feel like it's in our best interest. I don't know about this 30, I don't know about in Philadelphia, but I've spent a decent amount of time outside of uh, clinics and the number of people going in to these clinics, if you look at this, the percentages of how many are either Hispanic or black, it's way more than 30%. It's way more than 36%. It might be 80 to 90 percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's I don't know. I'm not I mean, it's just it's a small sample size because I haven't seen thousands of people, but I've seen hundreds for sure. And it's way more in Philadelphia. So those stats, I think, are wrong. I mean, from what I've seen, like with my own eyes, yep. watched and prayed for. So it's really it's really sad. And Abby Johnson, boy, did she like yeah, she hit that. throw Planned Parenthood under the bus 10 years ago when she, you know, when she left and started speaking into this because she's the one who educated all of us to know that, yeah, they are targeting minorities. Yes, mm-hmm. here are the statistics. And yes, they are putting them in inner cities predominantly right. and next to college campuses. They have an agenda, you know, yeah, like to your point, sure. Andrew. So, yeah, you're right. The stats are likely even worse than what we see. Antoine, I have another question for you. It might be going a little sort of off topic, but it's on it's on the same topic. But the um, the question is is I'm curious you're in a Catholic school but you didn't grow up Catholic. Has any of the how what is your then thoughts about what you've heard about the Catholic faith since you've been in Catholic school? I don't know what they're teaching you. I don't know how much of it is really Catholic. Is it, you know, is it like one half of one class once a month? Is it you know, are they teaching you things about the church on a daily basis? It sounds like you're going to Mass at least sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, me and Pete were at Father Judge, another high school in um, Philadelphia in, in the Northeast, to do some work a couple weeks ago, and they're praying before every class. They're being taught by deacons. So I'm not too familiar, and I would like to hear your, your experience with that. Mm. So uh, I'll start with the prep, at least. So, like, for when it comes down to religion classes, we have— uh, like for my sophomore year, we have to take sacred scripture and you have to take religion class all four years. So for sacred scripture, it's like, you know, going through the sacred scripture. Um, our teacher will go into like the depths of the reading and mostly she'll pull out metaphors of like what um, is being, what we're, what we're reading. Um, but 
so we'll have different classes. Like next year, I'll be taking church history and like ethics. So like a lot of at the prep because it's Jesuit uh, too is like what are the ethical boundaries and everything of the Catholic Church, Christianity, and things like that. So what I've been mostly learning about when it comes to the prep, at least um, about the Catholic faith, is, is its ethics and w- what you're supposed to follow and what you're supposed to do in the faith and like where it comes from, uh, how you live it out and things like that. And uh, I guess we'll talk about how like every morning, you know, we'll pray, um, do the announcements and things like that. Uh, there'll be mass every, uh, like two or three times a month. Um, and then back at Waldron, um, where everything started, um, you know, you also be praying every day, religion class. It was less on ethics and more of like, you know, the glorified, oh, we're going to tell kids uh, these happy stories about the Bible and things like that. So I'd say you don't really learn much in middle middle school about uh, Christianity or Catholicism or anything. And then, you know, with maths and things like that, you know, it's about the same two or three times a month. And, um, you know, what I've learned, so if I, it, like it seems, it seems great, it seems good. Um, everything about the faith, I, I can't say anything against it. I. <laughs> is there anything? Are there any parts of the faith that you have difficulty with? Or is there anything the teachings that they've that they've told you about that you're like, yeah, man, I can't, I can't get on board with that. Well, personally, my my thing with it is just like I feel there's so much hypocrisy when it comes to at least. Uh, actually the like the uh, old testament maybe a little bit of the new testament like uh we're told oh god so good he's so great he's so good he loves everyone yet here he is smiting, kills, right yeah he's smiting, smiting people smiting left people. right and center you <laughs> know uh, that's uh, it's a little weird i don't know it's a little hypocritical is there's just like things like that I, I, grace do you have any thoughts on that because uh and you you were you're a catholic your whole life and i'm sure you've come up with this this sort of question that you that you've heard from uh from antoine about like hey the Old Testament for a loving God seems kind of dark. Mm-hmm. I've had so many questions <laughs> just in general. Um, but sorry, my head just <laughs> fell off. But um, yeah, I don't know. The only thing I would say, like on this specifically, like Old Testament wise, is that, like, thank goodness Jesus came because then, <laughs> like, that's all we would have seen from our God. And it is true that. Um, yeah, like he, there is the wrath of God, which is like kind of scary to look at in the Old Testament because yeah, like he, you know, is sending floods and he has smiting people and all these things. And if it stopped there, I think we, a lot of people just, I mean, well, we wouldn't even be saved if it stopped there. So there's so many things, but I think, you know, if you just get through to the New Testament and, and see that, you know, God sent his son and thank goodness we have Jesus to look at as, you know, God in a person. And this is the loving part of our father is, is Jesus. And he is the one who came to save. He is the one, the gentle one and tender. And he showed kind of even the loving side of the father, I think, because of how his relationship with the father was so on display to his followers. And we read, you know, about that so much in the gospel. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's a lot I could say about this. But, um I think there's just so much we we don't know too, um, and yeah, I can go down rabbit holes in the <laughs> Old Testament sometimes, and even like fast forward in Revelation and all these things, and still things that kind of scare me, you know, or that I have questions about. I'm I'm no scripture scripture scholar or anything, you know, for sure. But I just think like thank goodness for for Jesus because 
we know that we have a loving God because because mm -hmm. of Jesus, of the existence yeah. of Jesus Christ, and the fact that we have an opportunity to live another life after this one because of that same God who, yes, got angry and had this wrath, you know, that we see. He also, you know, has this immense love that he sent his son in human form to die so he could live. And that, you know, kind of, does that make sense? Yeah, There's a lot, lot I could say, lot but I would just yeah. say, thank goodness <laughs> Jesus came. Sure. Uh, Amen. But, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. But I have a lot of questions too, so yeah. So funny you said that, Antoine. We had a friend in high school who has since just been ordained a priest uh, in New Jersey. But I remember in one of our textbooks or our, or, um, or it might have been a Bible or something in school, and I remember him writing on the inside of it, God is Punisher. Back mm -hmm. then, I'm like 16, 17 years old. I, you know, it was like, but that's, that's where that thought process is coming from. It's coming from right. Old, Testament Old Testament God, Old Testament and you can see that it, with our Jewish brothers and sisters, you know, and their view of God versus our view yeah, of God as Christians, yeah. Yeah, Funny. it's interesting. I I um I liked um, the guy who who brought me into the faith was this guy named Bishop Barron. Have you ever heard of Bishop Robert Barron? Word on fire. Pete will send you something after. You got to hear this guy. He's great. But his point is that um, yeah, it's sort of this the it's a story, and the story has an arc. You know, it sort of begins in the Old Testament. But as Grace says, at some point in the story, because we'd fallen out and we've gone away from God. God sends his only son to come and save us, essentially. So it's this whole, th what, what Bishop Barron calls a theodrama. So it's a God drama that comes. You know, you're talking about earlier, you're in the drama club yeah, at the, school, so you're interested yeah. in drama, right? So what happens in the beginning of the play is resolved by the end of the play, usually, in some way or another, right? So there's like, you set up the story, and then the story has this sort of climax, and then there's this sort of denouement, there's this kind of resolution. And so Jesus is that climax of the story in a way where he, God actually takes form. So the, the meaning of the universe takes a human form and comes down to rescue us from all of this mm -hmm. misery. And what's interesting about Bishop Barron, what his, what the way he goes with that is, which, is, which I found really interesting, is he says, so your choice, because you have a, you have a part to play, Right, so um, you can decide between an ego drama, so that is you deciding what to do with your own life. You just make up, Antoine does Antoine. Like whatever Antoine wants is what Antoine gets, and Antoine's creating his own story and whatever. And from Bishop Barron's perspective, he says, look, this is one of the weaknesses of a life without God. It's because you're just inventing something in your head. It's not related to the real. It's not related to something real. What he says is more interesting is when you accept Christ, you're now involved in a bigger story, the theodrama. So now you're a player in God's drama, this entire historic drama that Grace was just talking about. I went from the Old Testament to Jesus to the New Testament, right? And you play a part in that. So now the question is, which is number one, it's real. And so, young people, that is not an NCP. You are a real player. Yeah, in right. This, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a C, right. So, so you're, um, yeah, exactly. Right. So it's not, not so, yeah, exactly. Not, not some shoot 'em up game. It's real, right? So th there's shoot 'em up games, or, or like shout out to yeah. my son, Nikki. Right, right. Shout out to <laughs> anyway, so the point is, is that you have. So the the idea would be God is calling you. Then, if that if this is true, He's calling you to be also a player 
in this drama that started way back when, started in the beginning, when, you know, when God made the heavens and the earth. That was the beginning of this drama, and you're a part player in this. And so the question then for you is if you choose to accept this mission, mm. what is your mission? What is God calling you? And that's why I had this, in, this question for you earlier, which was, okay, you know, here you are in a Catholic school, and you were telling me in your Respect for Life Club there was like six or seven people out of how many in the school that are, that are, that are active? Uh, like a thousand. There's a thousand people in the school, and this is a Catholic school, and here you are, somebody who's taking on who, who this, this, um, this cause for life is, is compelling to you. It's, it's something calling you about that. And you're not even Catholic, so it's so interesting to me. That's why I wanted to ask you that question. So, because one of the things that Pete and I were talking about at the school at Father Judge was, okay, so what is so special about human life, in your opinion? And we gave this example of, okay, well, let's say Grace or, or Antoine, you're walking into a burning building, and you can only save one entity in the building, like a rabbit or a baby, which would you save and why? And we talked to the people, like the young men your age, about that. And so you know, what is it about human beings that makes us special, in your opinion? Like, why? So you're saying, okay, so you started out saying, okay, well, hey, Andrew and Pete and, and Grace, like, it's just wrong to kill humans. My question is, why, why do you believe it's wrong to kill humans? And maybe not wrong to kill a, a cow or a, maybe you do think it's okay to kill or not okay to do that. But do you have any thoughts about what it is about human life that's special. Yeah. So I, the reason I think human life is special is because, I mean, look at us. I mean, we're in a podcasting studio. What other animal <laughs> can be in a podcasting <laughs> studio to talk about pro-life? It's a nice studio, too. <laughs> Pretty nice studio. You guys studio. can't see it. I mean, really you can nice. come here, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> see us here. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, we're the most intelligent of anything on this planet. I mean, why, like, in your example of the uh, – rabbit and the bunny, or rabbit and the bunny, rabbit and the human, sorry, um, why would I save a rabbit which will just hop around all day? Nothing against rabbits, but I mean, when there's a baby that when he grows up, he could do absolutely anything. Mm. He could progress our species. He could lay around and play video games all day. I mean, at least that's better than hopping around all day, I'd say. Mm. So I just, it's just, when it comes to it, human beings, we are the top of the food chain. We are number one. Mm. Um, we're the only reason everything is really here on this planet. Even though we might be ruining it right now, I mean, we're still the most intelligent things here. And for all we know, in the universe. So we need to make sure that we are preserved and we continue on growing and growing. It's not instead of killing each other, you know? You know, it's cool. I know that the Jesuits um, have derailed a little bit as, you know, as an order. But what's cool, that obviously wasn't the foundation of the order. And what's cool is that's in you right now, Antoine. And and I would imagine that that's part of how it wound up there is they have Cura. Personalis. Per Personalis, yeah. You got Cura it. Personalis. Yeah. What yep. is that? So it's basically, it uh, means like uh, Here, care, care for the person. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Jesuit education yeah, that yeah. emphasizes the view that mm. each person is a unique creation yeah. of God. But go ahead. Yeah, give it yeah. in your words, please. Yeah, yeah. so care personalis, care for the human is, in the simplest terms, caring for yourself as well, um, making sure you're mentally okay, physically okay, you know, socially okay. And uh, to me, it's also, you know, being okay with other people, you know, not wanting to yeah. get other people, babies, humans, or mm. grown people, you know. And it's overall just making sure that you as a person are just, you're good. You're not 
wanting to kill yourself, you are happy with your life and you, you know, you're going out there and doing things every day. And right now with, with what we have going on, I mean, we just had the shooting down in Texas. Um, so prayers for, uh, for all those people and their families. I mean, it's, it's awful. I read some stories about, you know, a couple of the teachers. I just saw a story yesterday that the husband of one of the teachers actually had a heart attack and died. So now they have four children left without either parent. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, that, that, that could totally be me. Like if Trisha was killed, like I could see me being so upset and like heartbroken that I actually have a heart attack, <laughs> you know, like that's, I could see that. And so, but that's, you know, that's what we're talking about. You know, Antoine and Grace is care for yourself and care for the other human being in all all ways, all angles, all all encompassing of everything. It doesn't matter again from you know, whether we're talking about a baby in the womb, whether we're talking about elderly, whether we're talking about mentally or physically disabled, whether we're discussing drug addiction and, you know, Kensington, because there's a there's definitely a difference between poor, I don't have the means, I'm in a, a third world country versus I chose, you know, a life of addiction and I'm living down here. Either way, these are all, as you explain always, Andrew, Amago Dei, right? Yeah. Latin, my friend. For yeah, in the image of God. That's right. That's right, Pete. Yeah, so this is, each one of us is created in the image of God. We have to figure out how to see that in ourselves, see that in each other. And so... Pete, could I just say one thing about that? Yes. I'm sorry, were you about to say No, that? I was about to ask you if you could say something oh. about this. That's a lie. No, he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I could have spoke all day. I swear I was. <laughs> um, no, and what was, what did you just say? Um, that word, the Jesuit? Oh, Cura Personalis. Cura Personalis. Yes. Um, that's just so interesting to me, and I'm, I'm glad that this was just brought up because I was just having a conversation last night, actually, with a friend of mine, um, yeah, we were we were all talking. We were we had this like group get together, and then a few of us were talking afterwards. And um, yeah, we started talking about Texas and you know uh, uh, some different things. And we started talking about charity, like the actual like true virtue of charity, like love, you know, and how that actually is the lack of that is at the core of all of this. Like we we started talking about. I don't know his name. I don't know much actually about this story. I haven't read too much yet, but and but the the kid who did this, like I don't know. I just my heart started feeling almost like pity for him. I know I like I, I don't know. I don't want that to bother anyone by saying that, but I almost felt this like pity as we were talking about him because he was not mentally okay of course like what, what you were just saying he was not I mean how could you be um to do something like that but what what could he have been possibly going through to to lead him to that point and and you know what are these women possibly going through that lead them to the doors you know to get an abortion what are these fathers possibly going through I mean there's so many things um again that happen before death happens if that makes sense like there's just so many um there's such a lack of love before like we get to the door of, of death you know in so many ways and I just think 
the biggest thing that our world is lacking is true like charity like actually loving and not what the world is saying love is right now like actually loving the person in front of you and be willing like be willing to stand up for their good and yeah I mean we're talking about um pro-life stuff a lot today and we're talking about abortion and yes it's wrong to kill to kill human life and all of these things it's so true but also it is so wrong the way we treat each other as human beings it is Mm -hmm. that is also Mm -hmm. wrong and that is what leads people to do what they do that is what leads to mental illness that is what leads to people shooting up kids at a school that is what leads to people killing their own children inside their womb like the lack of love is i think what needs to be addressed um first and again yes as especially as a christian this should be first but this is just immoral this is something moral this is something that you can be an atheist and still have some kind of love you know what i mean this is just something that applies to just the human race right now and um i don't know i just think that we really really need to pray for like charity to be reinstilled in our hearts like actually love for another human being because there's so much more that goes into this issue of life there's so much more and um we really need to even in the way that we're speaking about it we're we're not called to judge we're not called to condemn that's not actually our job we can call people higher we can you know speak against the injustice but we are not the condemner we are not the one to you know to to judge we have no idea we have no idea what, again, even going down to this kid who did this in Texas, we have no idea what was going on in his heart or mind. And Lord have mercy on him. Like we have no idea, again, what was going on in, in these mothers, you know, hearts and minds. There's just, we need to, if possible, really embrace hearts of, of charity, again, and not the love that the world tells us, complacent love, you know, just just do things so people feel more comfortable, just say the right thing so people, you know, you don't offend, but love that really sees the human person in front of them and says, you know, I, I want more for you, and, and how can we make that happen? You know, sorry, this is kind of like turning into a rant, but I just... There's just so, again, this is just what we were talking about last night, and so it's just really fresh in my heart right now, but... Um, yeah, again, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to take away from this too much. I just think that's really important and not talked about enough. But um, yes, anyways, sorry. Someone that's saw me so here before good. I no, get too crazy. But Grace, no. I just, I, I had this. Great. I think I posted it a couple of weeks ago. If I didn't, I, I'll, I'll throw it out there. But um, St. Thomas Aquinas said, love takes up where knowledge leaves off. Hmm. So you just, I mean... You just struck that chord. Very first CD I was listening to all the way back, <clears throat> 2005. Matthew Kelly, A Call to Joy. Yeah, we're going back to before you were born, <laughs> oh Antoine. Gosh. I'm having my oh reversion my before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, if you're a good doctor, you go to the person. Where does it hurt? Hmm. Where does it hurt? So when you're talking right now, I'm just being flooded with feelings and thoughts and getting chills because it's yeah. like, yes, if we were acting hmm. truly loving in the virtue of charity with others, we would be going to each human being and treating it like a like an encounter, like Pope yes. John Paul II yes. encounter, right? Not just the busyness of our lives, just running, running, running. It would be like an encounter. And then at that point, it would be slow and beautiful and loving and and true virtue of charity and we would be wanting to know where does it hurt yes and then when we find out where it hurts 
we would be trying to get in there to fix it, which is in the heart, not in the mind, because the mind will only take us so far, like Thomas Aquinas says, and then to the heart to get us the rest of the way of the race, right? Mm -hmm. And we try to get in there and fix it where the true pain point is. Where does it hurt? Where does it hurt? Let me get in there. And then we all know that the way to get them there is to bring them to the divine healer because only one person is going to be able to yes. truly get in there to heal that. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That could even be this young man, the shooter, that something we can bring them and, and put them on a psychologist, you know, um, table or lay down on the couch, you know, at a psychiatrist's office. But that may and I don't want to go too far into that, but that may only get so far if we can't get in there to the true pain point. Mm. Yes. So, Grace, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was great. Thank yeah. you. I want to bring this back to the Old Testament because I think it actually goes to the Old Testament. And this is, as you know, Pete knows, is that one of the guys who brought me to faith before Bishop Barron was Dr. Jordan Peterson. And he has this discussion. He does a whole lecture series on the psychological significance of the biblical stories. And he talks about the story of Cain and Abel and the story of Cain and Abel is that one brother, Abel, is um, his sacrifices to the Lord are working out. So his life's working for him and everything's going great. But his brother, and by the way, these are the first two humans. There's the first two humans other that are not created. They're created by human, other humans, not by God. Sorry, Adam and Eve are the first humans created by God, according to the biblical account. But so what Jordan Pearson talks about is, he says, look, but Cain, things aren't going well for him. He's not, it's not super clear why, but um, his sacrifices aren't, aren't working, essentially. His life isn't working. And so what does he do? He kills his own brother. So Dr. Peterson's point is that that's what you can, if you go dark enough, you can get to the point where you actually kill your own ideal. You're, you killed the, the you want to, you, you become a judge of being itself, of life itself. And that's why this guy went this far because his life got so dark that there's almost, that the point was to execute the innocent because it's, a, it's his judgment. It's like the devil said um, in the Goethe play, um, Mephistopheles says, uh, everything that exists must perish. So this idea that life just isn't worth it, that being isn't worth it that there is no love in this universe and there's just such darkness in that. And it's, I, I'm with you, Grace. I mean, to get to that place, I'm not, I can't, I, I'm not here to, I'm not, a, I'm not God. So I don't judge the, I don't have the, the way to judge somebody's soul. I just pray for people in that, in that situation because it gets to such darkness to do that. Such an absence of love, the opposite of love. Like in Cain's case that he killed his own brother. And, uh, I'll say something on that. To that point, uh, it also is working together. I mean, you don't have to do things separately. Love, uh, you need two people to love each other. So say in the story of Cain and Abel, you know, if they just, you know, work together, uh, I don't know if like, you could have a conjoined sac uh, sacrifice or, or whatever, but if they just conjoined um, together to work together, none of that would have happened. Right. And that comes back to the pro-life uh, argument where it takes two people to create a child it also takes two people to raise a child. Right. And in this world, um, one father usually just leaves. Right. And that's the problem. We don't have the love of two people. Amen. So I, I just felt like that um, yeah. related to what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the idea also that, um, so you talked about the Old Testament being, wow, this is really harsh. And yet 
Could we're we killing... pause on that for a quick yeah, second, sure, sure, Antoine? Sure. Only, I mean, uh, Andrew, <laughs> only because Antoine said, and this is what caused you to want to do this. Mm. And this is going to go bigger into full-blown video production, possibly through the archdiocese coming very soon. So is you said men are walking away. That's what wanted you to, that, that's what, that, that caused you to want to create this is we need pure, authentic, masculine mm. leader, protector, provider males. And we aren't being that right now in society. And Amen. Antoine, you just said that. Amen. I only wanted to pause on that. You said it takes two and we're walking away. Did you want to comment anything more on that of the walking away piece or how you view it as a young, you know, young man? Uh, yeah, uh, this brings us all the way back to the beginning of the podcast where I was talking about how abortion strikes mostly black people. Uh, also, the issue of fatherless children is also striking mm. at us there, too. You know, I'm on the subway or the train and I see so many mothers just with their child all alone when there could be a father with them. And without your father, I mean, wh who are you going to grow up to be? What are you going to do? You don't have the other half of you there to teach you, to Amen. grow you so that you know how to handle yourself and eventually when you have a child, if you have a child, how to grow that child up. And if your father's not there, you'll just repeat the process ruining just another kid's life. And it's just, it's just terrible. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's so, that's so wise. So these young people, man, yeah. it's unbelievable. You guys, you guys are so, so wise for being so young. And the idea of the old Testament is, I mean, we're killing thousands of babies a day. That's pretty dark. That's pretty old Testament. I would say. I would say we need love because we need that conversion because that's really dark. Yeah, we talk about the, the horrible situation in Texas, which is obviously terrible. And yet every day, we're, how many babies, Pete, in the United States? 25,000 or 2,500 mothers go into somebody calling themselves a doctor and say, I'd like to execute my child, essentially. So that's pretty Old Testament as far as I'm concerned. I don't mean to get all real with you guys, but that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's I, pretty I, Old Testament. I think it says a lot about where we are exactly. as a society that, that <laughs> we're not seeing the world through Jesus's lens at all because 14 children and however many teachers are killed. You have to excuse me for not knowing the exact numbers. It's 21. Is the total number? Okay. And we, that's all we've seen on the news and social media for a few days straight. At our largest abortion facility here in Philadelphia at 777 Apple Tree, we kill more than that other human beings. Every day. God's mm -hmm. souls, if yeah. you don't want to believe in God, that's fine. Other human beings, you know, according to science, real science, you know, Carnegie Mellon Institute issued back in the 1940s, fetal development, right? So real science. And we kill 35 per day just at 777 Apple Tree. And I don't see that all over social media or the news, you know, or, or captivating all of us, like, you know, as an audience. So, yeah, we've really. Yeah, it goes back to. We've what, lost something. Yeah, to what Grace said, we've lost love. And that's what God is. And then we've lost God and we've lost love. And then we always blame other things on the issue instead of saying, because we don't love each other, you know, we'll go on. CNN or Fox News, like it's guns, it's this other thing, it's blah blah blah. It's the human heart, they don't, man. They don't ever think, oh, maybe it's love that we don't have for each other, and it's that's why we keep killing each other. And so it'll drop your ratings or whatever, but it's the truth. Why would you not want to comment on the truth instead of? You know, Amen. Yeah, root cause, right? Yeah. Root cause of the problem. You know, gosh, you guys really are. You're, I, you're, 
you're you're brilliant you know yeah honestly. you guys are amazing and as you're talking it, it reminds me of something that i learned that I'll, I'll constantly say and it's we have been conditioned to use people and love things yeah. and it's the reverse we're supposed to use things and love people and for me and i'm sure many could probably relate to this even this this young man who went into the school where was he where in his heart or if a, a man impregnates a woman and then decides that they're going to walk away where are they inside like wh what is it and i know when i listen to father larry richards cd in the car on confession and he said you know we sin we sin we sin we sin and it's not killing us physically well in some cases it can be but it's more so killing us spiritually he said you know what's happening is we talk ourselves into more of it because we don't see we don't see the physical change but inside spiritually what we can't see mm -hmm. is dying and he said if you can understand it like a healthy hand you know with like nerve endings you know you stick that healthy hand on into a fire you're going to feel it immediately mm -hmm. it's going to burn your hand you yank it right out you know or if you put it on top of the stove <laughs> any parents who have little children they put that hand on top of the stove it is ow, you know and and all, but when that hand starts to die and the nerve endings start to die, you put it on top of the stove or put it in the fire, you don't even feel it anymore. And that's what started to happen to me personally is my sins didn't even matter anymore yeah. because I literally wasn't dying physically. Physically, if you looked at me, I'm fine. I was dying inside spiritually. My soul was dying. My heart was dying. That mm -hmm. was what you're saying, Antoine and Grace, the true root cause of it. Mm -hmm. We got to get there. There's where the restoration mm -hmm. of, of, of humanity and women and men are is there. And, Amen. and it goes back, honestly, to Old Testament, to Genesis. We go back to Genesis in the garden. Two, two, Genesis 2, 16, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. But going back to two seventeen, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Did he die when he ate from the fruit? Did Eve die when she ate from the fruit? No. So is God a liar? What lie? Dr. Scott Hahn, foremost biblical scholar with Jeff Cavins and the podcast in a year with Father Mike Schmitz, he wasn't talking about their physical life. He was talking about their spiritual life. When we don't look deeper into what's said, they did not die. Could be a lie or a white mm -hmm. lie from God, but we know God is not a liar. They did die that day. They died spiritually. Their mm -hmm. souls yes. died. And that's what's happening to each and every Amen. one of us when we do what we want and we choose things <laughs> and love things and use people or we do what we want instead of doing what God Amen. wants for us. And having you here with us is a reminder for me that, that God fold something up inside of each one of us. And our job through life is to figure out what that is and to unfold that. Just start unfolding it. Start yeah. unfolding Amen. it. And sorry, just real quick, just because, Pete, what you just said, the scripture just came to me. Um, I'm sure you, you know it, but, you know, when they say man sees what's on the outside, but God truly sees what's, what's in the heart. And 
I just, again, because we talked about a lot of heavy things right now. So just to end with a little message of hope, or I don't know if we're ending soon, but just to say a little message of hope. Take us home, Grace. You know, as, yeah, man looks what's on the outside, but God, you know, truly sees what's in the heart. And Pete, you were just saying a little bit earlier, like, uh, the problem is that we are not looking at human beings, at the world through the lens of Jesus. And think about it. How was it that when Jesus was here, he spent time with who he spent time with. He knelt down and picked up who he picked up. He touched who he touched without remorse, without disgust. How is it that he forgives even us, our wicked hearts, so quickly? How is that possible? He does not see what's on the outside. Only we do. Like, man sees what's on the outside. He sees what's in the heart. And, like, thank goodness for that. There's mercy. Even with all this darkness that's going on, we can still pray for the conversion of heart. Like, his mercy is new every morning. Like, thank goodness, or I'd be screwed, you know? <laughs> like, we'd all be screwed. <laughs> and so his mercy is new every morning, and the fact that even the the most evil that's going on in this world, God sees what's in the heart. And if we can adopt that truly, like, try to personify that in some way, shape, or form, we'll never be even close to how Jesus can see. But if we can even a little bit start to see, okay— or at least think there's something so much deeper, like what does God see in this person? What does God see in this circumstance? It's possible. It's possible to love more that way. It's possible. Not only seeing what's on the outside, but truly trying to see, okay, what's in the heart. I just want to say that. Amen. Because, yeah. But. Uh, on that, Pete, you want to, uh, Grace, that's a great way, I think, to end us uh, for today. I don't know if Pete wants to take us out in prayer, but uh, thank you, Grace, and thank you, uh Antoine and Pete, this wonderful hour with you guys was really uh, it was a blessing. And uh, Pete, I don't know if you want to end us in prayer. Yeah, Jason Evert says it's always better to talk to God than about God. So yeah, we'll end yeah. uh, we'll end in prayer with yeah. an Our Father in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father who Lord art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come. come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give yes, us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pray for us.